Hey, well, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. Uh, we are here with our new friend, Tom Doyle. Uh, Tom, you've been going to Israel, and not just Israel, but the Middle East uh, for a good long time. And uh, just give us the, a little bit of the genesis of how that journey started for you. Hmm. Well, you know, in 1995, I went with my uh, seminary that I graduated from uh, on a Bible tour to Israel, and it changed my life. I was a pastor, and uh, but I did this before 9-11, so, you know, we weren't as familiar with, with what was going on in the Middle East until after 9-11, but I went 1995, started doing Bible tours with our church, with other folks, uh, Dallas Seminary, you know, that's where I went. And along the way, God gave us not only a heart for the Jewish people, but also for the Arab people. And um, we just uh, were shocked at all of that as we started to get to know them. But here's what we found, that God's heart was big enough to love them both. And so it... uh, We've been privileged to serve. We love Israel. We are praying for for Israel. This is a horrible situation. I think one of the worst things that's happened in 75 years of existence to them. And, of course, it's been portrayed on TV, shown everywhere. So it's horrific. And then also in Gaza, there's actually believers that are Christians and then others that were Muslims that came to faith in Christ that are there and they're in the midst of everything now. So it's an impossible situation. It really is difficult. But Jesus is on the throne and this is no surprise to him. There's no panic in heaven. So we wait for his answer and see what he's going to do here. A lot of people are asking us the question, so how did this all start? And I'm, I, I try to think, well, are we talking about the British mandate? Uh, are we talking about the UN partition in 1947? Or do we need to go all the way back to Genesis? Um, but in, in your experience, um, how did we get here? I think it does go all the way back to Genesis, you know, Isaac and Ishmael. And so this is a, a 4,000-year-old problem. Issue and um, and there used to be a television show on Fox, and this host used to say, "Caution, you're entering the no spin zone." Uh, we we say this when we go to Israel, the Middle East. Caution, you're entering the no forgiveness zone, because in in that culture, in the Arab culture, um, the, all of those things are remembered. We still hear about the Crusades and what the Christians did in the Crusades. And I think, gosh, we we had the Revolutionary War with Great Britain, but we're like best friends now. And it, it just doesn't work that way in the Middle East. There's tribes and old scores to settle. And so when the state of Israel was founded, I mean, obviously there were Jews and Arabs living there in 70 AD when General Titus rolled in, he kicked out the Jews, but there was always a Jewish presence and they were there. And gosh, during the Ottoman Empire, what they used to say, the Turks is the only two people that get along are the Jews and Arabs because they're cousins, right? (laughs) And so, but then when land became an issue, that's where it changed and If we could just say this, the Arab culture is beautiful, hospitable, but the terrorist regimes that have taken over it, that have become synonymous with the Arab race, it's really sad because it's just darkened all all of that. But, But once they took over and once land became an issue 
in the religion of Islam, uh, Muhammad said this, if a land is Islamic and you lose it, you can never give up the fight to get it back. So hence, that's where the struggle is. And Palestinians have been offered a peace treaty. Most Palestinians would say, take it, take it at this point. Uh, but their leaders won't accept it because they're radical Muslims that they don't want a two-state solution. They, they want a one-state solution, them there and the Jews gone. And of course, the Jews are, are, what do they think about the two-state solution? They're just, they're just trying to recover from the final solution that they went through. And, um, and all of this war is echoing what they, what they experienced under the Nazis. It's a very sad situation. Yeah, I think what a lot of people don't recognize and don't understand that there is a distinction between uh, the two peoples, the two people groups that you're talking about there, um, being the Arabs who are in the land and, uh, you know, being the terrorists, uh, you know, represented by these different yeah. actions that yeah. are there. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that that's that's a difficult uh, issue right there. And then mm -hmm. you throw uh, the Jewish issue and the land in there. I guess what that started like around 1922 with San Remo conference. It did. Yeah. And then you have the Hebron massacre and you have all these things that happened that led up to the Jewish state. And as the Union Jack was being lowered, you know, uh, right before uh, when when uh the British were ending the mandate, the gunshots were already being fired. And so before Jews and Arabs got along, but when it became an issue of land, the Islamic radicals raised to the top and uh, took over. So, I mean, you look at a city, Bethlehem used to be majority Christian. Now it's majority Muslim. And all of that changed as Christians moved out, their leaders became more radicalized. So it's it's really a, a sad thing. But I had something happen to me the first time I went into the Gaza Strip. And of course, all we had done is tours for Israel. We worked a lot with the Jewish people. This was new for me. God called us into missions in the Middle East. And I went into the Gaza Strip and immediately, when I did, it's my very first time, uh, some Palestinian believers brought us in from the border, just a couple of us, and I'm in Gaza City. And it is a few months after 9-11. And so I'm walking to a place we're going to go to, and uh, it ends up that this Muslim woman comes up, she's covered, and makes a beeline for me. And, uh, you know, in some places that might not be a good thing, right? But here's this woman coming and says, you're an American, aren't you? She actually grabbed my forearm. She said, you're an American, aren't you? I said, yes. And she said, well, I could tell by the color of your eyes. I said, okay, thank you. And she said, did you see on September 11th? And, and she spoke perfect English. Did you see on September 11th when, when the buildings came down and CNN showed um, people in Gaza cheering and celebrating? And I said, yeah, I mean, I, I saw it. She said, well, not me. I was crying for those people because they didn't deserve to die. And that was so wrong. And forgive my people for doing that. She tapped her heart and she turned and walked away. And, you know, guys, I, I a thought went through my mind. There, there's human beings in the Gaza Strip. I mean, they're not all terrorists. And we found that the majority of people didn't want that 
what was happening with terrorism. That'd be hard to people to even fathom that, that when they look at what's going on the news, that there are peace-loving Palestinians. But and before when Hamas attacked Israel, their approval rating in the Gaza Strip was 3%. So the majority of the people there detested them. But when all of this happens and all the killing uh, against the Israelis, it's like something just floats up to the heavenlies in that physical war on the ground is a reflection of the spiritual war in the heavenlies. This is, it is war in Israel, but it's bigger. There's a war in the heavens right now. And all of a sudden, some of those Muslims that didn't harbor evil thoughts against Israel might get pulled over to that side. So it gets very chaotic in the midst of these situations. And that's where we are right now. So Tom, I I think admittedly, I have a, a, a lack of understanding with some of this, because as I think about it and even just being immersed in a Jewish community my entire life, I look at the Palestinians and, and what a lot of people are even asking us right now is, well, didn't they vote? Didn't the Palestinians vote Hamas in? And even yeah. like help me correct this if this is wrong, yeah. that if given the opportunity today that they would still do it again. Mm. I think that's a, I would say that's an overgeneralization from being there. I, I, here's, I was in with a uh, pastor in Gaza. And what happened is uh, we were driving through the city and uh, at, there was a sea of yellow flags. Yellow flags are Palestinian Authority, Fatah Party, what you have in the West Bank. And so this was before the election. This was way before the election. And I said, what do you think is going to happen? And he said, oh, Palestinian Authority will win. Well, I was there months later, and uh, all of a sudden when we came in from the Arrows Crossing, we're driving through, and I was shocked to see it was just an ocean of green flags. And I said, those are Hamas flags. Tell me they don't have a chance to win. And the pastor said, they're going to win easy. They're going to win easy. And I said, what happened? He said, they have convinced the people that they're the humanitarians. They, they got control of the couple of hospitals that are there and some of the medical things and portrayed themselves as humanitarians. And so what you have is a legitimate terrorist group, one of the worst, going to lead the country once they got voted in. And of course, they won in a landslide. So it was so sad. But guys, we've been in Gaza when when um, Hamas started shooting at the Islamic Jihad and they're both terrorist groups and, and, and they're both financed by Iran and they're all fighting to outdo each other and get to the top. Hamas is clearly in control now governmentally and and with the money that's coming to their terrorist regime. But here's the sad thing. And you'll never hear this on TV. But we've seen it being in Gaza, and it was even in the Atlantic Monthly some um, years ago. There's 700 millionaires in the Gaza Strip, 700. They all work for Hamas. And if you saw their homes cropped out from what's around them, you might think they're from Santa Barbara, those pictures. So Hamas is living in luxury and of course, the overall leaders are in Qatar. They're not even there with the people. They have beachfront property, probably. So the government doesn't care about the people. But 
there really are good-hearted Palestinians that just don't want this. And, um, of course, you're probably not going to see that too much on, on TV. Right. But how, how, did they, a mini how did they get to that, uh, that, that point of millionaire status like that? Yeah. Yeah, there's other countries that um, I think what they do is to keep the pressure off themselves uh, as far as having to deliver to their people, some of the Middle East nations, that they throw money at the Palestinians, agitate Israel, and that gives us a convenient excuse to say why we have problems in our country. It's the Israelis. It's, in fact, one friend of mine, Mahmoud, came to faith in Christ in Gaza. Muslim comes to faith in Christ. And he said, I, I wanted to be a full disciple. And I said, oh, okay, I think I know where you're going with that, a full disciple. And he said, yeah, I want to do everything that Jesus said. I want to follow Jesus in his steps. And so the first book I read was Matthew. And I got on the Sermon on the Mount. And I read, Love Your Enemies. And as I read that, I said, okay, God, I confess my hatred for Israel. And he said, God, I hate him. I hate the Jews on the other side of the fence. Forgive me. Uh, I, I pray you forgive me for that. And he said, not just a toleration set in, but actually a love for them. He, he said, I found myself praying for them during the conflict. I never even dreamed of that. And then he said, once I came to faith in Christ and got out from under that, that cloud of Islamic oppression, the terrorism, he said, I realized I blamed everything in my life on Israel. And he said, I've never met a Jew in my life, actually, in Gaza. So that's how it can be around the Middle East. But once they come to faith in Christ, the, those blinders can come off and uh, you can see some great transformation. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting is, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you have Hamas and then, you know, we talk about the fact that Iran is funding a lot of things, um, mm -hmm. but they are two factions, two different factions, uh, Sunni and Shiite. Is that correct? They are. Yeah. 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 And they would and not get along like, otherwise. Not at all. Except not for all. one thing that they have in common, and that's a hatred of Israel. It's the one thing that unites the Muslim world. That is it. And also, it's it's almost like uh, people that give to two presidential candidates. A business guy gives to the Democratic nominee and the Republican nominee. So he 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 you know he's he's playing both sides. That's exactly what Iran does with the terrorist groups. They finance the the ones that are at the top. Who knows who's going to be over on top of each other at this point? It's Hamas. Maybe Islamic Jihad takes over someday. Yeah, can you so. explain a little bit of that? So there, Hamas is running Gaza. Um, we've also heard That's Islamic right. Jihad. We've heard of Fatah. Who are these? Uh -huh. and, and Hezbollah. Um, yeah. Who are these groups? And we also have different sure. territories, and we'd have to be able to show it on a map. But we have Gaza. We have the West Bank. And I know everything is pointed towards Gaza right now, but... I, I'm yeah. thinking, are we? Do we have our eyes open to what's happening in the West Bank, and how come that's not lighting up right now? And then, obviously, sure. everyone's looking in the north and what's going to happen. And there's already a little bit of yeah. skirmish that's happening coming from Lebanon sure. and Syria. 
Yeah. So uh, the West Bank, if if you look at the West Bank, it's the biblical um, Samaria and Judea from the Bible. It was renamed the West Bank. It's not Israel's West Bank. It's Jordan's West Bank. For Israel, it would be the East Bank. And so Jordan named it that. And it's stuck and it's been accepted internationally, but it's um, Samaria and Judea. And so that would be in the middle of the country. That's kind of that kidney shape. If you see that on the map, all the way southwest up uh to Egypt is Gaza, the Gaza Strip. And so you have Hamas, that is the ruling government, the the strongest terrorist group there, Islamic Jihad probably right behind them. In the West Bank, you have the Palestinian Authority. And believe it or not, there are people that are peace-loving in the Palestinian party, in, in the Fatah party. They are. We've, we've met them. And uh, but so so you have the Palestinian Authority running the West Bank, Hamas running Gaza in Lebanon. There's always been a vacuum there of leadership in the south. You've heard of the Becca Valley and some of those places. And what you have there is Hezbollah also financed by Iran to agitate against Israel. So they've got them north. They've got them south. There is even elements of that in Jordan that are pro-Iranian and uh, wanting to pull Israel into full-scale war. So those are the major terrorist groups. Here's what's been the issue, is that um, if they all got together, uh, it's, it's, it's horrific. And we're praying that, that Hezbollah does not get involved in a major way, because if they do, it's gone from a war in Israel to a regional war. And a regional war is just a half step away from a world war, because once it's a regional war, the the, the power broker nations like China and Russia start taking sides. We all know what side they're going to take, obviously, but then you have America siding with Israel. So it, it really becomes close to a world war. Yeah, so you begin so to have is, alliances that form. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So you 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 started a ministry called Uncharted Ministries and really that ministry is reaching out to the Arab Muslim community. Um and we talk a lot about what's at stake for a Jewish person um and we're we're part of the 1%, right? Of of Jews that have become messianic or put our faith in Messiah Yeshua. Um and and we talk about the cost um for a Jewish person to come to faith which in many Orthodox communities and even more ultra-Orthodox communities, you will be abandoned. Uh, your parents will never speak to you. Your family will never speak to you again. In some you know, uh, kind of really far out there scenarios, uh, they'll have a funeral for you and never speak to you again. Um, and we've always thought that the cost is incredibly great. And even as we were processing our conversation ahead of time with you, um, the, the cost for a Muslim putting their faith in Jesus uh, it seems like it'd probably even be far greater than that. Yeah, it really is. And just so I'm clear with Uncharted, uh, there's so many more Muslims in the Middle East, you know, and and Arabs. Uh, but w- our heart is for the Jews and the Arabs. So we work with both of them. We get criticized by people on, you know, both sides, really. How can you work with these people, whatever? And we just say, you know what? God's heart is big enough to love them both. And so that's we're going to try to serve Jews in Israel, work with Holocaust survivors. We do a lot of things with Israel. Uh, and then we work with 
with Arabs and um, trying to reach Muslims too. So, so all of that, but yes, you would have, um, well, let me just tell you this. Here's what happens with our teams that, that we um, sponsor throughout the Middle East is this, if a Muslim is ready to come to faith in Christ and pray and receive Jesus, uh, our teams all throughout the Middle East and us, if we're there, we ask them two questions and it's this, before you pray to receive Jesus, Muhammad, are you willing to suffer for Jesus? Because it's probably going to happen. And the people you treasure the most, your family, might be your great enemy during this. If they say yes, okay, it can get worse. Before you pray to receive Jesus, are you willing to die for him? Because there's a lot of Muslims that come to faith in Christ that are actually being killed. And when they answer yes, they're ready to pray to receive Christ. And I I think about that. I was a pastor for 20 years. Can you imagine if we had those two questions in the new members class, right? right. I, I was going to ask you about that, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, in the Western world and in the United States and America, you know, it's pray the prayer and now you're in. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And this is, I, like you're saying, this is, before salvation, you know, so they know exactly what's going in to this. And they're taught to share their faith immediately. They're taught to follow Christ and be baptized, believe and be baptized. Uh, one former Muslim in Jordan, I said, um, I'm I, Amir, I'm so proud of you. You became a believer, risked your life, and you were baptized the next week. And he said, something simple that just stuck with me. And he said, well, Tom, baptism for the believer in Christ is an initiation, not a graduation. Ooh, and uh, I thought, <laughs> wow. I remember as a pastor, we'd take him all through the classes. And of course, we wanted yeah. to be strong. But he said, believe and be baptized. And I thought, wow, praise God. It's true. So, Tom, give us some stories of what you're hearing from the faithful on the ground in Gaza, in Bethlehem. I know I just talked to a friend in Bethlehem who's a Palestinian Christian, and I said, hey, can we bring you on the podcast? Can we have a conversation? He said, no, it's far too dangerous for me to do that. But what are the stories that you're hearing from the ground, from the people? People, even we're we're good friends with your boys. yeah. And, and just telling stories of even just getting people out um, because they're not safe in some of the areas that they're yeah. in. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of one of our friends, uh, Mohammed in Gaza, has been sending me texts and uh, wanting them delivered to Jews in Israel and Jewish believers specifically. And he's praying for them. And some of these uh, texts that I've been getting he, in fact, today he says he he think it's so heavy and he can't get out of the refugee camp. There's terrorism there, and um, he 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 has said goodbye to me. He thinks he's probably going to die today, and he can't go anywhere. Hamas would never get the innocents out of the way. They put them in front of them, right? We we know what they do, and so some of the texts that he's sending about how he loves his brothers and sisters in Israel. In fact, he said that Hamas forced them to go outside when they paraded the Israeli women and children down the street that they'd captured and kidnapped. He said he was crying. He he said, tell my Israeli brothers and sisters, I love them as I love Jesus Christ. And I'm so sorry for what they've gone through. This is inhumane 
uh, Hamas is just godless. They're demonized. So uh, I sent this to a, a Jewish friend in Jerusalem. He said, oh, my gosh, we never hear that. And he said, would you just send love back to him and tell him we're praying for him? Yes, it's riddled with terrorism, but there's brothers and sisters in Christ there on the front lines, too. we got to pray for him. So. Well, you know, we have thousands of people who are going to be tuning into this and hearing this. And uh, I think that that is some great information that probably most people are not aware of. And especially, mm-hmm. I hope part of our Jewish audience hears that, too. Yeah, absolutely. And and listen, he knows how um, how the Jewish people treat uh, the people in Gaza. They let them come in and work. They pay them like four or five times more than they could get in Gaza. They provide for them. Hey, it's a secular government. Does Israel doesn't do everything right? We'd all know that, right? And but yet, yeah, right. But yet they 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 don't want to kill the Palestinians. They give them good jobs in Israel, and and so they're saddened by this because is that all going to be closed up? Are they not going to be able to work in Israel anymore? They're they're horrified uh, about that. So um, anyway, yeah. To, Terrible, terrible situation. But again, the real Middle East peace plan is when Jews and Muslims come to faith in Christ. And I'm telling you, I've seen it for years with Jewish believers, just the the love that comes out of their heart toward all people. And I've seen it with the Muslims. And you can imagine what they live in under Sharia law. But all of a sudden, the power of Jesus is stronger greater that he, than he that is in you than he that's in the world to overcome that hate. And they don't just have a tolerance for Jews. They have a love for them. So the, like the, the terrorists right now, it's a, it's, um, it's a hatred that's, uh, that cannot be described, but it's when they come to faith in Christ, it's a divine love. It's a miraculous love for the Jews. But it's um, there's something cooperating with them on the other side where there's just a hatred that's over the top. There, there's, uh, there's a dichotomy here where there are two wars and two worlds taking place. Mm-hmm. And, that's right. you know, we tend to focus on the uh, physical world down here, but there's a spiritual battle that takes place and it overrides the physical one. Boy, that's so true. Yeah. That is so true. Yeah. So, Tom, we, we find that most of the time— um, we have so many friends in the church, the American Western church that are saying, we don't get it. Like, you know, give us an explanation of all of this. But what what would you tell the American church uh, as they're looking at mainstream media and the newspapers and all of the trying to just figure out? And we're seeing like even today as we're speaking is a global day of rage. Right. right? This oh. call to like just, you know, terrorize the world. And we're seeing some aspects and some of that being activated already. But. What, what do we tell the church watching and looking yeah. in, scared, uh, uninformed, apathetic, dismissive? We even heard one pastor who said, well, the Jews, they're always fighting over there. And it's just kind of dismissing. So uh, yeah. what do we say yeah. to the church? Well, I think, you know, we go back to scripture. I'm uh, in uh, Micah right now and Micah 7, 7. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior, my God will hear me. We know that God's going to come to the rescue. We know that the answer is not politics. We know that the answer is the kingdom of God. Uh, We not only want 
uh, Jews to come in to faith in Christ. Uh, we want we want Arabs to come to faith in Christ, and so that's where the answer is. There's a lot of politics where people will just get a stop right there, and they won't go any further. And it's easy to just say this group does this and this group does that, but that's a simplistic view. Once you've been there and seen how they both live it really becomes more clear. So I would say this for college campuses that are saying the Jews deserved this, if those students actually went and saw things in Israel and saw on the other side of the fence how the Palestinians had to live under terrorism and that they hated, they would get a different bird's eye view. So there's a lot of people, you know, you can see it sometimes on the news, this it's they haven't been there. A lot of them commentating. It's almost like a pooling of ignorance. Well, I think this and I think this, you know, and uh, they get a different slant on it if they actually went there and saw both sides and really got an opportunity to experience that. So listen, we're praying for Israel to be safe. That's the best thing. That's the anchor of the Middle East. It's the only country where Arabs can actually vote and it counts. They're a part of the Knesset if they're Arab Israelis. And they get a chance to vote. And that's a story that no one ever hears. Name one Muslim country where Jews even have a voice, let alone get a chance to vote. So it's it's different, you know, and we just have to be fair, but know that God loves all the nations too. And so every tribe, tongue, and people group is going to be represented around the throne. Probably one of the hardest to work with are Muslims today from the Arab world and all of that. Yeah. You know, Tom, you mentioned the kingdom and you said all nations and all of that. And uh, we know when that happens, um, all of the nations, all of these who are believers who come into the kingdom, we're all going to be there celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles that we just finished. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I can close with this one. Uh, I have a friend that came to faith in Christ, Palestinian. And he hated Jews, hated Israel. God replaced that with a love. Shockingly, shockingly, he showed me this in the West Bank. He wanted to show Jewish people when he meets them how he loves them. And so he got the tat- he got a tattoo of the Shema on his forearm in Hebrew. And he shares this with Jewish believer, Jewish people in Israel, like in uh, Jerusalem, and just says when it's private, when he's not going to be seen, Jesus changed my heart. And he used to hate you, wanted you all to be dead. But look at what he did. He replaced me, that hatred with a love for you. And um, I just want you to know that came from your Messiah, Jesus, who is Jewish. And you know, the first time he did that, shared with a Jewish man on a Jewish bus, where he couldn't be seen by Muslims, this Jewish man was a rabbi and said, I've never heard anything like that in my life. That, that sounds like the peace plan. Will you come to my house and tell my family? I'm, they're not going to believe this. They will not believe it. Well, so, we, the prayer is, is hearts of stone into hearts of flesh 
for all people. And that's, uh, that, that is our prayer. Uh, Tom, if people want to connect and you've captured some of these stories of Muslims who've put their faith in Jesus, where are some places that people can find you in the ministries you serve? Yeah. I mean, they can go to uncharted, uh, ministries.com uncharted ministries.com. Uh, they're interested in our books, Amazon, just look up Tom Doyle and you're going to find that I've written books on Israel. I've written books on, you know, um, Muslims coming to faith in Christ. And um, hey, listen, God's doing the miraculous. We're not seeing it on TV, but we always need to remind our people, don't take your worldview from the news. Take it from God's word, (laughs) because that's where you're going to get all the truth. So we're praying for Israel. We're praying for Palestinians stuck in Gaza. It's it's difficult, but we know God's going to be victorious and things are not falling apart. They're falling into place, right? That's right. Well, thank you, Tom, for your time. We say Sha'alu, Shalom, Yerushalayim. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem and all the areas surrounding it and, and that God would be bringing his people back. Thank you for this time. Thank you. Thank God bless Tom. you. Shalom.